Welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Christian Yordanov here. Today's guest is Matt Taylor. Matt is the host of the NHS 100K podcast. He was a he is a former paramedic that left the NHS after the co- scam vid 19 the 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 whole scam of the pandemic happened. So um we're going to hear his story in his uh words. Uh, without me butchering it so matt uh thanks for coming on brother <laughs> thanks for having me mate you're all right yeah i think that that introduction was uh pales in comparison to the one you gave me for you on your show bro well mate you, you proper like stopped because you thought i was asking you what your gender was wasn't it and it just yeah. started <laughs> i i was i was listening back to that it's, it's just the, the british accent sometimes you know like the, it cuts out so i thought i thought you you asked me Sure. Tell them what you are, uh, or, yeah, or where you where are. You are. Them where you are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, I just misheard, and like I thought, <laughs> like, where am I? My, where am I in my transition journey? There was about, there was about a ten second pause because I was like, what? And you were like, what? It's like, <laughs> thought, 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 should we start again? I thought, no, no, no. Leave it in, man. Leave it in, man. It's, uh, yeah, it, I, I felt like an yours. absolute jabroni listening back to that. But you know, you have to own it. You have to own it. Sometimes. You, you you try to make a joke and then you fall flat on your face and everybody laughs at you. You go home, you cry yourself to sleep, and the next day, you know, you 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 dust yourself off and continue on, right? You juggle. Mate, I, yeah, man. It was, <laughs> but it's, I've not had an intro to a podcast like that. So you, you definitely yeah. got the uh, the crown for that one, mate. Definitely hundred percent. Eye catching. So tell <laughs> tell the listeners who you are and a little bit about your story, please. Okay, so um, yeah, you you are you are right. I I was I was a paramedic. I'm not anymore now, but uh, we'll go into that later. But yeah, um, I was a paramedic in the NHS for 12 years, and I gave it all up for the um, after the mandate. So for for those of you that weren't aware, we had a mandate for all healthcare workers over in the UK that was due to come in uh, on a certain date. I think it was April 20. I'm not going to say the year because. Between 2020 and 2023, it's all just like one long horrendous year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I won't try and, yeah, but months and time frame. So I think it was at the beginning. Anyway, so, um, and um, so, yeah, so I, I didn't want to take the, the jab uh, for obvious reasons. I don't, we don't need to go down that, that rabbit hole, but I didn't want to take it at the time. And uh, yeah, they were, they were mandating it in care homes, uh, which was making it difficult to do my job. And then they, they were looking to mandate it for, for the NHS workers which is where the nhs 100k come from because as we were drawing towards the deadline for having to be jabbed or at least have the first jab there was a they, there was a news article that came out there they said that there was a roughly between 100 and 110,000 nhs workers that were refusing to take the jab out of how many uh do you know that's a good point i don't know how much the but i think the nhs must is, be a is, million yeah, oh, more than that, mate. I think yeah. um, I can find out for you. Bear with me a second. Yeah, no, we we know it's a lot. If it's yeah, more the than NHS, a million, I think it's the largest employer in the UK, basically. Yeah. I think off the top of my head. So, um, <clears throat> so there's a few, but so that's what we were like. Oh, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound right. And then when we we dug a little deeper, we found out it was it was sort of between it was 120,000 plus. Wow. Which is where the um, <clears throat> the whole NHS 100K kind of thing came from, uh, and that initially was a group that was set up by a few girls that were working in healthcare and. Uh, at the time who obviously were against the mandates and they created a group that was fighting back and, you know, templating letters for them to send to their CEOs of the ambulance trust and the hospital trust not to mandate the masks. And they were doing their own 
sort of version of fighting back. And then I linked up with them because I was doing my own version of fighting back on my own. And then um, what basically brought us together was I posted the email that my employer sent me on, I think it was Christmas Eve or two days before the Christmas holidays, basically saying if I didn't have my first job by the 1st of February, uh, I, I would have no job, essentially, wow. on the 1st of April. So the idea was you took the first one on the 1st of February, that gave you the however long they wanted you to have between each dose. So then you could have your second one on the 1st of April. If you didn't have it by the 1st of April, then that was it. So I posted it on Twitter because I was raging. <laughs> I was furious. So I posted it on Twitter and it kind of blew up a little bit. And then it put me in touch with loads of other people that were, you know, speaking out and other, loads of other organizations and stuff. And then I just went on a bit of a media tour, I think. I ended up becoming a bit of a... Um, uh, I, I don't really, I don't really, I, I hate talking about myself in in this kind of environment, but I, I ended up being a bit of a spokesperson for the ambulance service or the paramedics and some nurses and, and stuff because there wasn't many people speaking out in England. Yeah. A few doctors, but when they did speak out, you know, they got the treatment that everyone else did. So it was, we're, 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 everyone knows what the British people are like. We're quite reserved, aren't yeah. we? So, yeah, you, know, yeah. so you know, I want us to get a bit angrier sometimes, but mm-hmm. bloody annoying, but that's the Italian blood of me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, uh, so yeah. Are so, you Italian? Half Italian. Italian. Half Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I'm two percent Italian, bro. Two percent. Could be related. You done that DNA? Could be related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I gave my dad a two. I gave my hey, power move, B. I gave my I gave my uh my freaking DNA to Google so they can clone me into a slave to build out the infrastructure on Mars when Elon colonizes it just so I can find out I'm 2% Italian and probably related to you, buddy. Yes, well, do you know, we're all, well, we all came from the same place, didn't we, apparently, so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry to derail. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's funny. Uh, so, yeah, so we, uh, publicity, uh, yeah, so I ended up going on a few uh, podcasts and then ended up going on the news and ended up going on a few big, bigger platforms and having more interviews with, with larger people and not necessarily commercial TVs, but, uh, BBC radio interviews and and then you know I think just you get as soon as you get behind the right sort of media company they put you in front of everybody to to, to speak a message yeah. and there was three of us there was me a paramedic a midwife and a doctor and they just rinsed us like tried to put us in front of loads of different people all the time and it, and it was good but it was hard work it's anyone who's done media stuff you get like little anxiety in your tummy every time they're going to be like right we're live and then you go right don't swear <laughs> yeah or you know yeah. <laughs> No, don't forget what you. What no, you don't don't make about. jokes about transitioning genders. Oh, mate, honestly, my brain sometimes it segues all over the place, so it's really hard for me to focus <laughs> and just stay on one topic when I would speak to them. I think yeah. I've got some sort of, you know. Anyway, we've all got some sort of weird thing going on, and we. But yeah. So, so I did that for ages, and obviously got, and then from that went, and then the mandate got um, overturned, so they they revoked the mandate, so we didn't end up having to to do it, and then all of a sudden, everybody just kind of went back. To normal life if you will because they were like right the nhs is safe so we just went back so all the donations stopped all the support kind of stopped and sort of fizzled out and then we were just kind of left you know in the, in the sea with a boat with no sort of current to go anywhere if you know what i mean so that's when i i sort of reached out to the girls and i no spoke to them and sort of you know shared stuff and you know on that kind of battleground and that's when i said look i want to do a podcast I i'm not anybody I haven't got a large platform or anything, so but I, I I know a lot of people and doctors that we could get on. It'd be good to have a conversation and all. Anyway, so that's how the podcast kind of came about, um, and then I've been doing that ever since. And I think that kind of brings us up to speed, really. I think really with other bits and pieces because I think it got to the point where after 
after the mandate was revoked in the April, I then stayed in the NHS then to the July. And now that was it. I had to get out because I was at the mindset, right, I'm going to leave when I want to leave. I've decided I was going to leave because I knew they wouldn't bring the mandate in because they couldn't do it. They couldn't afford to lose that many medical professionals in the NHS. Mm-hmm. They couldn't afford to do it. So we knew that they weren't going to do it. And it was just a bit of a scaremongering tactic, which worked for a lot of people because a lot of people did buckle, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was the the side of people that I'd worked with for a long time and not a long time, you know, new 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 um, colleagues and old colleagues. Uh, and just the way it tore the, the NHS from the inside out, the mandates, the difference of opinions, the pro-mask, the non-mask wearers, you know, trying to, and then, I, you know, I've got friends who used to work in hospital, who still work in hospital. They were telling me about how they were trying to do their best. So it was a really difficult situation to be in because I've got friends who are saying people are coming in and dying. And then you've got other people when you're on the, the you know, the tinfoil hat conspiracy realist brigade who are like, you know, they're killing everybody. You know, they're not doing anything. They're letting people die. And, and, and it's like, my friends are not letting people die. Uh, and then COVID's not real. And, and so it was, uh, I was kind of like stuck in the middle. And that was why, you know, that was the inspiration for God. Do you know what? I can't, I can't keep doing this anymore because it was getting difficult to work. I was telling it, I was telling patients, uh, you know, all about the jab and not in a bad way, but just when they'd ask, I tell them and I was getting complaints from the families of the patients because they then refused Whoa. the jab. So wow. it just became really difficult because they were telling me I was spreading misinformation. But then when I said to them, what was misinformation, they couldn't tell me. So I was like, well, I've got a responsibility as a clinician. When a patient asks me, what do you think? I, I would say to them, like, do you want my, the, do you want the answer that they want me to tell you? Or do you want the answer that I would like to tell you? So the smart ones would say both. And then mm. the majority would say, you know, what do you think? And that's when I would say, look, I'm not saying don't get it, but. I'm certainly thinking it loudly. Bro, you were, well, yeah, you were, yeah, you were definitely breaching the the community guidelines there brother well no well no you have because you, you have a duty of care is it? this is where it got difficult because right so i'm not yeah. your average clinician as i'm sure you guys can 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 tell i look more like a plumber than a than a paramedic but you know i, I did my degrees i went to union and i did all that and i was a good good paramedic but i was always i always tried to not dumb stuff down but i always trying to remain level-headed and i think that's because i was in the military as well so i would mm. i would never really be that proud to be a paramedic like some of them were yeah it was, to me it was just a job but some people were like i'm a paramedic and i yeah. work I in save lives. yes and yeah. with massive egos and you know big capes flowing in the wind with their underpants mm. on the outside of their trousers i'm a superhero and you will listen to what i say and, yeah. and i just couldn't be like that so i would just be normal with people which usually got a better reception but would come mm-hmm. across as more unprofessional so it yeah. was it was a, a a kind of thing I'd have wicked reports and brilliant reports from patients, but then some people would be like, oh, well, you know, you need to be a bit more professional. You can't say this and you can't say that. And it's just, it was really difficult just to be myself. Yeah. And then after the, obviously the mandate was revoked, you saw everyone's true colors. You know, I had no support from any of my colleagues when I was going through what I was going through. Uh, it was just, I don't know. I had two people that weren't clinicians telling me as a clinician that my, my choice was wrong. Right. Well, which uh, choice that you're not getting the vaccine? Get the vaccine. So to so to to I'll, I'll finish this bit and then I'll go back to the to the meeting that I had with them. So after that, after seeing everyone's true sort of colours and identity and sort of motivations and loyalties and all that kind of stuff, I realised that the NHS was filled with narcissistic assholes who are backstabber bastards. Do you know what I mean? So, wow. and there's a lot of egos and there's a lot of people with issues, and I can't I, I can't work with people like that. So I just thought, you know what, I've, I'm done with this. 
And that's when I decided to leave the NHS. It wasn't an easy decision to make because I felt like I was, and I've said this before, I felt like I was kind of leaving the battleground a little bit. But, you you know, one man can't <clears throat> fight an army. And I was getting tired and stressed out and angry and coming home angry, which yeah. when I was working as a normal paramedic, I never really got angry that much. But then when this was all happening, I was coming home and it wasn't the jobs I was going to. It was the, the working environment that was getting me so agitated and stressed out. So um, it was just a sheer ignorance of people just sleepwalking into what was going on without even just asking any questions. It was just like, Jesus, yeah, you know, but. Painful so, to watch. Pardon? It's painful to watch that. It is, it is, especially when you genuinely care about people. Although, otherwise, I wouldn't have got into medicine in the first place. You know, it's, especially a paramedic, it's not a job that you do for the glamour, the glitz and, and the kudos, you know, because very quickly you realise that most of the time you're just a mobile taxi that picks up pissheads all the time uh, and you get abuse from drug addicts when you bring them out of their fucking near-death experience. So it ain't as glamorous as, as what the telly makes it out. <clears throat> but, you know, it's given, you, given me comfort, you know, ability to... I've got transferable skills for the military and as a paramedic. I'm handy to have around in a crisis. That's why I wasn't really bothered about leaving. That, that <laughs> skill set yeah. ain't going to leave me ever. I still know how to speak to people and keep them calm and help people and, you know, stop bleeding and all that. So um, I'm handy to have on the zombie apocalypse team for sure. <laughs> I was just thinking that if, if, yeah, 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 that's uh, if shit ever goes down, you're the kind of guy I want to have as a friend. Oh, well, yeah. And that's about the Kung Fu as well. But you got to make yourself useful. Yeah. you got to make yourself useful. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's when I decided to leave the NHS and then I went and, uh, I got a job as an apprentice greenkeeper on a golf course. How's that going? Yeah. So it's going great, mate. If I'm honest, if it was a, a 20,000 pounds a year pay cut. So I went from being on about 40,000, so what you're in euros, aren't you? So it probably would have been about 45,000 euros, maybe a year, right the way down to what we have in England, which is a national minimum wage, which is the minimum amount companies can pay you so i'm on about 18 19 grand now not even that i don't think but you're probably less stressed and more happier so happier mate but it allowed me then to start up my business like i said to you before with some other lads where we're doing a gardening business where if it goes you know i'll hopefully be doing that full time next year in the spring so it's allowed me to leave the nhs from one institution to then just be, be independent and realize that i don't ever want to work for anybody ever again <laughs> really and that that has been my dream since a very young age to be independent and i i i think freedom what people give away for a, a big paycheck is is freedom but the the if anything we've if we've learned anything through the covid fiasco is people don't mind being living in in chains as long as their chains are nice and maybe made of gold instead of iron if their cell is nice and plushy with with the big screen tv and maybe they're allowed to go here and there with their mercedes they will give up a lot of freedom to have that and well, that's because people think they're free anyway so yeah. they don't, they're not aware they're giving up their freedom with that well, they're willing slaves aren't they someone says to you right you, you use your money look all the shit you can buy with your money and yeah. you're like brilliant but i want that yeah but you can't afford that I know. Yeah. Well, look, what if I give it to you and then you, you pay me a little bit each month? How about that? And you're like, <laughs> what, well, I can have it now? Yeah. And then, I mean, what idiot wouldn't do that? Do you know what I mean? But then yeah. what they, they know that we get completely taken over with dopamine. You're going in there to buy something anyway. So they know they've got your kind of hook, line and sinker and all that. And it's, and it's ego. You know all about this, mate. It's ego. Ego wants you to go out and buy the 50 grand BMW. I mean, I'd like a 50 grand BMW, but my ego and my and my, re my reality receptors in my brain go, fucking buy a car that's 50 grand, bro. Buy a house. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, you know but I'm not begrudging those people that can afford it. And that's, that's the thing, but then they're, they're not aware that that money that they're spending on the car yet, yeah, it's a status symbol, mate. You could save that 50 grand, do something better with it. No one cares whether you're driving a Beamer, only you. Yeah. You know I, I mean? That's, that's one thing I think, and I'm not talking about cars now or anything, just people think that other people think about them. And at the end of the day, people are pretty obsessed with themselves and they're like a very maybe small circle of people, but mostly about themselves. Most of us are like that. So if I see someone, like there's a, a an older dude here that he drives some weird, awesome car. I don't know, is it a Ferrari? Is it a Mustang? It's awesome. But... I looked at it the first time and now when it drives by, it's like any other car and I can see him like looking, looking around. Are people looking at me and stuff like, bro, no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. Enjoy your car, but don't, don't care what other people think of you because they don't, they're not, they're not interested in you. Everybody, we're unfortunately, maybe it's a part of this society we're in, but people are just obsessed with themselves, man. But that's how we've been kind of, not programmed, but that's how things have been. Right. So you've got the fact that we have to have a good Samaritan act, right? Because people have helped people in the past and then been sued, right? For trying to help people, not in all countries, but you know, that's the mentality of certain people. Now, in my opinion, if you go to help someone and if, granted, if you chop their leg off when they've just fallen over, then fair enough. But if you've generally gone over, over there as a good Samaritan to try and help someone, what kind of person then sues that person for going out their way and putting themselves at risk of trying to help you? So that just shows that the mentality that some of us have got, not everybody, but we only yeah. ever hear of the, the douchebag stories. So we don't hear of the, you know, but then, you know, you've got millionaires. That are, I think I've, I've read something the other day and they say, when you can get to the point where you truly do not care what anyone's like, that is true freedom. That is true bliss. Mm -hmm. When you genuinely don't care, because we all... A lot of us project it. I don't care what anyone says. I don't, I don't care. And then someone goes, mate, you see that tweet that someone said about it? What tweet? Who's that? Who? And, and then you go and read it. And then you'll you'll be like, I've been getting lots of people doing like memes of me wearing tinfoil hats and stuff. And I don't say really? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Putting some, and I, I, I used to say to everybody, don't engage with the trolls because they only exist when you engage with them, right? Because then you're, yeah. you're creating a dialogue between you and that douchebag. And that douchebag, all he's got all day is last words and stuff to just... That's literally his job is to piss you off. Yeah. So you're just throwing fuel on the fire. And I've said to a few of my friends recently, you know, recently, just don't engage. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to not have the last word. But if you don't say anything, they they just, what can they say? Disappear. But then you leave yeah. it there for everyone else to see. And then everyone's just like, who's this dickhead? Yeah, exactly. I, I find myself, it's wasted energy. It, I've, I've, done, I've tried and tested myself. And I've told friends who've got larger accounts and I've told... Friends who have woken up and I said, don't engage with the trolls. Don't engage. Because the more noise you make, the more trolls you'll attract. And you'll be, you know, diverted and distracted from dealing mm. with what you're trying to do, dealing with all these trolls that will just happily waste and sap your energy. And they will always want the last word. So it's, I know it's hard, but I've always tried to say to them, use social media as the battleground it's designed to be. So don't go out there like kamikaze go, look at all these studies. You're all waggers. Yeah. And then you get strikes <laughs> and then banned. It's like, what good are you? You're like the first bloke over the thing in Normandy. It's never private right. takes it around straight away. You know what I mean? It's like, you've been no help. <clears throat> so I've always tried to say to me, it's your battleground. It's like 5G warfare. You know, it's, it's psychological. You know, that's how they get at you. So yeah. use the platforms and the tools that they use against you, against them, or at least to try and spread the word out. But it's, it's difficult because everyone's at different stages of waking up. So 
you know yourself, there's that really passionate yeah. stage where you just want to shout to everybody and want to save yeah. everybody. And then you realize. I'll, I'll tell you with my book. So we, I was very careful to, to word things related to vaccines in a very sort of careful way. So I never said anything against vaccines. I just, when I, the, on the section about aluminium, <coughs> I said aluminium is found in these things, food products, cosmetics, etc., etc., and vaccines. And then I, I, I quoted a study where the researchers said they were questioning the use of alumina, aluminium in vaccines. And uh, there were the researchers themselves were, given what we know about the neurotoxic effects of uh, aluminium, how can we allow our children to be knowingly to be injected with this stuff? So I just left that there. And then I just said something like, I'm glad at least some researchers are questioning the use of aluminium as an adjuvant in vaccine. So that was three, three and a half years ago where I, I, I didn't, I was nobody, not that I'm anybody now, but I was not in the public light uh, mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. So I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I didn't want to, alienate the people that I could help and I didn't want to you know get too many trolls because we know they're really good at brainwashing people to to do their job but like to 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 kind of so people self-police but now three and a half years down the line especially after what we've been through with this pandemic scan scandemic I don't even care anymore bro like I I just you know like, I mean I respect people's choices because they didn't know but if you ask me, like you, if let's say it's some guest on my other podcast, Children's Health, and they, they vaccinated their kids and, and then they ask me, what's my opinion? I, I will no longer say, you know, well, if you thought that's the right thing. I'm like, no, I think that's that's genuinely a, 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 a very bad decision. I'm not saying it's your fault. Yeah. You didn't know at the time, but here is a bunch of information. Here's a bunch of fraud perpetrated by these companies that are, that have the government agencies in their back pockets. I don't care anymore. To, I'm just saying the truth, what I believe is the truth, and that's it. Mate, when I was speaking out on on the the interviews on the news platforms, and I I rarely get any any trolls at all because they can't say that you you know you're lying. Essentially, when you were there, you've seen it. You know all that kind of. Well, they can say, but you know, I know I'm not lying about anything. That's one thing I try and say to people: don't lie because the amount of times you'll talk about it. There's people out there that will stitch stuff together and will highlight any mistakes you've made. So don't lie. And I've always tried to remain honest. I am an honest person anyway, hence why I did what I did anyway, because I just couldn't, couldn't handle in that environment anymore. But it was, it was the, it was, it, what, it was the, the, it was working with a bunch of people that are in a, an environment where they're supposed to care about people, but they so lacked care. If you know what I mean? It was kind of like, yeah. I work in the NHS as this and, They'd be really nice to an old lady and this, that, and the other. But then anything to do with that side of things, COVID, back, they just they just didn't care. So it was it was just you try and speak to them about it. They didn't want to know, and it was just they're just mentally blocking everything out. And that, that's what got me really angry because I was like, guys, you, you're just you're clinicians. You're, you're supposed to critically think, and none of you are critically thinking. But you're getting angry with me because I'm telling you stuff you don't want to hear, and I'm being that annoying person. But but you're right about the whole you know not caring about what you say because I think it gets to the point where even when you try not to hurt people's feelings, sometimes you do. So I think there's a lot more people that are open to discussion about what's happened over the last three years now than there was, there was back then. Yeah. 
but I think it was it was it was it wasn't a, a decent environment to be in. And I remember just sitting thinking to myself, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I had other friends who were doctors and stuff that you know you'd link up with, and obviously having the same opinions and exchange stories and everything else. But the public have no idea about half the stuff that went on, you know, because there were there were people that were dying in hospital that were were being killed by the staff trying to save them. If that makes sense. And that's, and that's by their own admission as well, you know, because they didn't know how to deal with it because it was a pandemic, you know what I mean? And that, and that in, in, in the hospitals it was. So, you know, they didn't know about ventilating patients, you know, until Italy started pronating the patients and putting them on their front and all this kind of stuff. So everybody was learning all at the same time. So what people, what was frustrating is when people said, well, they're all in on it. My friends and I weren't in on it. <laughs> I can't see you. We didn't know what was going on. We were just getting told you need to test, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I was a specialist paramedic. So my job at the time, was going to, to patients' houses and doing doctor's visits on behalf of the doctor. So I worked for all of the doctor's surgeries in my local area and I would go and do all the home visits in, in each of those surgeries. So you do, you do quite a few home visits a day. But especially during COVID, they weren't going out and seeing patients. They weren't. So I was, the team of us were doing the uh, the visits when they weren't sick. Yeah. So there were times when I was the only clinician on the whole service that was, that was around here because the rest of them were sick. Mm. so and we were having to test three well, times they had the week. flu well yeah that <laughs> yeah well no no because that wasn't there was it that had gone away yeah um they had this lucky, lucky one yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly um and we were testing and you know so i wasn't and but I, there were times when i would go into patients houses and, and take off my mask because they couldn't hear me and stuff like that and then sometimes family would come and say why not wear any mask and it's like you, 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 your nan's deaf so it's like she can't hear me so i'll take you know what i mean it's and it was just, it was ridiculous. I was just like, this is ridiculous. And I was going, I was starting to get angry with patients, if you know what I mean, like, like angry with mm. patients because of their, but, um, and then you're going out and seeing the same patients because the doctor's not been out to see the patient when you ask the doctor to go see the patient to review something and they're getting worse and worse and worse over a few weeks. And then they have to go into hospital and then you don't want to send them into hospital because you know, they're already frail now because they've not had this thing treated because you know, they're probably going to die and not come yeah. out. So so you, you 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 know we had all that to, then we couldn't refer into hospital anymore they just shut the referral process down so you know if you called an ambulance it could be anywhere between sort of an hour and nine hours you know what i mean and 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 you were like what so it was just it was like trying to stop a water a dam breaking with a sieve if you know what i mean it was just it was just it weren't going to happen yeah. and it was just um so i get a bit i get a bit um protective of certain people were or, or get a bit frustrated people say I don't know whether COVID's real or not, all right? And I know other people don't either. They read stuff and they, they formulate opinions, but we really don't know. But something was making people sick, whether it was 5G radiation, whether it was, you know, whatever it was, there was a bunch of people that were sick with horrendous chest X-rays that were riddled with pneumonia that no one had ever seen before and symptoms that no one had ever seen before. So whether people think COVID was real or not, there were people presenting with symptoms that weren't, they weren't able to manage in the previous ways of managing them. And right. they were having more severe symptoms as well that weren't responding to the normal treatments. Most um, ICU places, intensive care units in English hospitals only have about four or five uh, ITU beds because there really is, there's only a handful of people that need to go on ITU. Do you know what I mean? So it's car yeah. crashes, you know, sudden strokes, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, but so when people, they used to say things like, you know, the ICU is full. So, well, yeah, because they've only got 12 beds. Yeah, but but yeah. people didn't know that because you know most of the time there's not that many people on ventilators and needing ICU treatment, so there's not a demand for for that many beds as there is in wards. So there's a whole mm -hmm. load of stuff that was being mixed around that people who didn't work in medicine could cherry pick the bits that sounded yeah. worst 
And then at one point it was the public against the NHS and it still is like that, you know, and, and it was, it was hard. And I get the public's, I get the public. I understand all I try and do is defend the people that were actually on the ground doing their best, you know, for, 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 for relatives and, and, you know, expect two of my friends, both their wives were pregnant at the same time while it was going on. And they were going in and treating patients who were COVID positive, Whoa. taking out the tubes, which can create the aerosol generated um, organism, uh, aerosol generated procedure that can spread COVID even more. They didn't have PPE. One of them was under a, a sheet doing it to, tr- you know what I mean? And, and these, are, but they, they were doing it for the patients. Yeah. So they didn't even think about the fact that they might get COVID, take that home to their pregnant wife and then give it to their family. So I think sometimes I'm, oh it wasn't yeah. the oh it was the guys doing it not the pre- I thought you said that the pregnant no 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 sorry women, my, friends, oh, my okay. friends were doing and they were going right, right, and they right. they yeah yeah that is that is wow so that these is are the unsung heroes yeah exactly that is dedication bro it is and and that is what most of the NHS frontline staff are like and they will just yeah. no matter how many people come through that A and E door they will just keep treating them keep treating them not nonstop until their shift finishes. Uh, and, and that's, that's what it's like. Cause that's what they do. That's what we do. So it was, it was frustrating because I think deep down people knew what was going on was not right, but it wasn't that obvious because they were so busy just trying to float and swim in what was going on that they didn't have time to look into it as well as they could. And, you know, I'm not sticking up for them here. I'm just giving them a, a, a you know, an inside perspective on, on not everybody was aware of what's going on. I'm not saying people in the, in the NHS weren't aware, but we certainly weren't. You know, and, and people died who worked in the hospitals of COVID from treating people with COVID. So it was, you know, there, there's got to be a lot to unpack uh, in COVID about all of this sort of stuff. But I think it kind of got to the point where it was really frustrating and it was, it, I was getting angry. And then I was, you know, and then I just took to Twitter, really, I think. And that was a bit of a godsend. And then America's quite ahead of the curve with certain things you know england's we're, we're bloody about two years behind it's frustrating to be honest in in what way do you mean so i think america's a lot more no, no i'm not saying they're right about this but their their tr- truth of community whatever you want to call it is a lot more it's a lot larger than than than, than most yeah, other yeah. places i don't know whether that's because they've got obviously a large population but and whether it's because their politics is such it's on display so much. I probably know more about American politics and what's going on in America than I do in my own. Yeah, 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 Twitter, which frustrates me again, because I'm like, can people just start finding, I know we've had the, the bloody online safety bill just passed in the UK yesterday or the day before, which basically gives the government powers to, to, to control what goes on the internet. So if anything is they deem to be criticizing the government anyway, then they can delete your account. And you can be arrested and jailed for up to five years. Bro. So nothing says Clown World than that, really, does it? Yeah. Clown World, bro. Clown World. I know, man. You, and it's all scare tactics. You know, we know they can't pull. It's like when I was in Singapore for um, uh, a work trip. I remember one of the guys that was living there said, don't because uh, we were so like terrified because apparently if you uh spit your chewing gum out or you throw your cigarette butt you could go to prison <laughs> and like I, I heard a story that these uh, i think they were teenagers they were backpacking and they i think they cut a hole in a fence and uh spray painted graffiti inside like train station or tram station or something and then they 
went to Malaysia on their backpacking trip and they they caught them they they tracked them down ex repatriated them and then they, they they were served months in prison and they both got like a few lashes because there you get lashes on your raw buttocks like wow. you get like the skin you get lashes bro old so school. they got lashes yeah old school bro <laughs> and apparently the doctor uh, this is told to me by a person from singapore there the doctor checks your vital signs after every lashing to make sure you can continue getting them and usually after one, the skin is broken, so the doctor has to halt it, so you can go and heal in your prison in your prison cell or jail cell. And then another day that's picked at random, so you never know the day to happen. So straight up, fucking psychological torture, bro. You yes, know, uh, and then they have the death penalty as well on top of that. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, that, that was a bit of a diversion. Like, Jesus Christ, I forgot what I, we were even talking hey, about. Hey, but that crime's low over there, though, isn't it, to be honest with you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Disneyland with the death penalty, they say. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so, but oh, yeah, sorry. My point was that the after, you know, you make a show of these things, or especially if you have the, the propaganda machine, the TV and media, you can use these scare tactics. And mm. people, as we know, the... The UK and the Irish population, because I've lived in Ireland 14 years, they're very docile, I suppose. They are com they're quite compliant. The, like the Irish would be like, ah, sure, grand. Ah, sure, get, get a couple of jabs. Like, all right, like, I'm going to get a couple of jabs, go back to work. It's going to be grand. Mm. Go for a few points. Yeah. Sorry, didn't want to offend any Irish people, but <laughs> half of you are like that. Come on. At least a third. Love you though, love you. <laughs> but uh, so like, yeah, and uh, I guess the, the Americans they have a bit more of <clears throat> some of them at least have a bit more of this. No, why? Why would we do that? Because they, they have the whole thing with the guns. Um, they know a lot of this stuff won't fly. I think the <clears throat> the American public has like, I think four hundred million guns. Like, it's not going to be that easy to just start taking their rights away. Um, so they're a little bit more. Uh, up an atom when it comes to these things but the irish and the i think the and the english they've just been systematically it's like the japanese and and the chinese no like the asian cultures for centuries they've been systematically sort of indoctrinated into being servile right so a similar thing i believe is happening kind of in the western world uh definitely in portugal where i'm living now the people are for the most part very compliant i think portugal was the most they had the highest vaccination rate in the whole world, if not Europe. I think it was one of the two. Yeah, you and Israel. I think you and Israel were pretty much... The whole world, yeah? Yeah, you and Israel, I think, were pretty much 99%. And Ireland, maybe, I think. But, but you've got smaller populations, though. So you unintentionally, you ended up being control groups. Interesting fact about Israel, and this has been known for decades now, but there's a thing called the Israeli Paradox, and apparently they have the highest or one of the highest consumption of omega-6 polyunsaturated fats, but they also have one of the highest uh, or a much higher incidence of cancer and uh, heart disease. And that those things were supposed to be protective against heart disease. So that's pure. That's surely got to be an environmental thing then potentially. Or just a coincidence, probably. Hey, dude, come on. You and I both know there's no such thing as coincidences, mate. Don't talk rubbish. So it's it's the way, but you're right. You're right in what you're saying. I I try and say this to my to my friends as well, or when 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 a lot of because this is what we need is balance because a lot of this stuff is all they're going to come for your children. They're coming for your dogs right now, you know. And then they're going to come for your freedom of speech online. Then they're going to come around your house, and then you're going to be in a FEMA camp. 
And then you're going to, you know, and, and then, and then, and then you have to say, whoa, 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 whoa. They're only saying this. This is no different than me going next week. I'm going to punch you in the face, right? That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but the guy I say it to will be shitting his pants whole week that I'm going to sh- smack him in the face. Yeah. So that's what I try and say to them. Just because they say we're going to go, we're going to bring in a digital currency. We're going to do all this stuff. And they're making noises. They're fluffing papers. That's their job. You know what I mean? To make it look like they're busy doing stuff, but they're busy doing nothing because they know re- in reality to try and do that sort of stuff. No matter how many people they try and bring in the countries who are from illegal immigrants or whatever, how many of them are they going to get to? Because this is one thing I want to tell people as well from, from being in the army days. They will never use your own army against you, all right? They will never do that because your own army wouldn't do that, all right? And speaking from experience as well, that's why we used to go piss everyone else off in their other country and not do it here because it was easier for us psychologically. We didn't even know that, but it's easier if it's a foreign place because it's not your house. You know what I mean? You're not going to run into somebody or it's not familiar. The thought of actually having a firefight in England, I, I, I don't even know where it would be, but... But, you know, going to Kosovo, Bosnia, and Afghan and all that, it was just, that's where you got to go. That's what you destroy. That was it. You didn't even think about it. So it's uh, it's a similar sort of thing in regards to that as well. So th- th- with this problem that we're having with this dissolving of borders at the moment that seems to be happening in, in various parts of the world. And I know there's a rumor going around that they, the UN army and they're, they're going to people, in there, you know, they've put them in barracks in our country, in England. They've put them in old army barracks, which I was just like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. It's like, you realize there's an army barracks you can train an army in an army barracks you know what i mean you've got everything you need in there to train people not just yeah. accommodation you've got indoor ranges you've got outdoor ranges you've got gyms you've got racetracks you've got space you've got drills you know you've got loads of stuff and accommodation blocks if you know what i mean so so they don't do any they don't do anything to help dispel the rumors that that, that you know that we're having these problems and the same things going on in the states and everything else so it's it's really difficult to manage people's fear and expectations when they've got on one side, they've got this immigration problem and the threat of that. And then you've got all this other stuff going on. So like I try and say to people, don't worry about it too much because there's nothing you can do about it at the moment. And just try and prepare as best you can for yourself mentally, physically, and educate yourself in, in, in skills that you, you know, you haven't got. That's a, that's a good thing, but don't think, don't sit there and think, that all of the stuff they're telling you, they're politicians, man. Their job is literally just to chat shit. Yeah. That is all, that is literally their job is, is a chief shit chatter. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, yeah. And and we've been, we're good at it being British, right? Because we've been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years. We've, we've gone around everywhere else in the world and shoved our bloody pompous noses and go, no, 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 you must do this for the crown. <laughs> or we will destroy you. You know what I mean? And then from then on, you know, we go, right, you must give us money. And this is why, you know, people say that the crown is the center of everything and all. And, and all. And you, you can't argue with it. I mean, we've had problems with you guys in the past because you guys used to have a badass Navy. Um, Portuguese. I'm Navy. not Portuguese. Oh. I'm Bulgarian. We never had any altercations or run-ins with y'all. But you're in Portugal We're too now, far. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, look, all right, take it, mate. All right, because you know, I mean, that wasn't bad for me for being British, you know. <laughs> Bulgaria, I've had right. no trouble with you guys actually. Your women yeah. are beautiful as well. Okay, well, we can sell. We can sell you some good ones. That's we can yeah. arrange that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but yeah, it's 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 one of them. It's you know, it's we are. I think because we're an older civilization, we're more. Because we look at the Americans as like excitable children, if you know what I mean. It's like, oh, look at you guys. You've got so much space, land and money. You don't know what to do with it. 
So, you know, they're just running and gunning and running and gunning. You know, we, we love the Americans, but we're all like, oh, Americans. You know, I mean, we, we I'm not, obviously, but I mean, that's that's the way the British, because they're British, like, it's so loud, chill out, mate, calm down. But they're, they're only a few hundred years old where we've been doing this for a lot longer. So we're a lot more like, you know, yes, yes, we understand where you are in your your journey of adolescence, you know, and it's just so, so. So, so you don't think uh, total totalitarianism is uh going to ensue no i don't think it will I, i think what we're seeing so they've tried to install what we call ules zones in britain and 15 minute cities you probably heard about the 15 minute cities but you yeah, yeah. ultra low emission zones which is basically mm -hmm. where they have cameras set up and it's mainly predominantly around cities but mainly the capital of london they've got these cameras set up everywhere and they're trying to reduce emissions to save the planet and if you go yeah. the closer to the center of london Uh, you go, the more they'll charge you. And there's a there's a like a ring fence around the areas where you have to pay uh, a charge to go into that area in a vehicle. And it depends on the emissions of your vehicle. So they snap a photograph of your number plate and then, you know, you get a fine. But there's right. these guys called the Blade Runners and they've been going around chopping down all of the cameras with steel saws. Wow. Hundreds of them, thousands, I think, wow. to the point where only something like 3% of all the cameras that are in London are working. So they've been going serious? around. Yeah, yeah. Well, people have been revolting, mate. So they're expanding foam in the in the things and chopping the thing. And no one's stopping them because no one wants it. In fact, people are just standing there firmly and then giving them a high five or waving or going, yeah. Well, why haven't I heard about the this on the on the BBC in my nightly broadcast? That's a, that's a weird oversight. Yeah, well, you know, well, Sadiq Khan, he's one of them anyway. He's the mayor of London. So, so you know, it's his idea to, to do this. And he's been met with, it's just been a car crash. An absolute car crash. But I think it's... And, and the same thing happened in Oxford when they tried to do the 15-minute cities where basically, I don't insult anyone's intelligence if you, if you know this, they want to keep you in a 15-minute radius and the idea is to put everything within 15 minutes of where you are to keep you... Yeah. Free-range humans. Free-range. Yeah, free-range. says, yeah. <clears throat> so the idea was to keep them in a sort of 15-minute city and they put bollards across certain streets and shut certain streets down but then ambulances couldn't get down. And and then the next couple of days, the residents were just setting them all on fire or pulling them out of the ground or just completely destroying them. So they stopped it. And that's the British. That's, that's the British. Like, Imagine yeah. if it, this was Eastern Europe or exactly. some crazy part of the USA. Exactly. But the difference is, I've always said this, it's fine for other people to have it happen to them until it lands in your back garden. And that's what COVID yeah. was like. Everyone just conformed, stayed at home and they were fine. Whereas this 15-minute cities and digital banking and, and currencies and all the other stuff, it's you can't hide from that. You can't comply with that. Well, you can, but you can't at the end of the day. And I think people have started to see the physical installations of the cameras and the borders and, all, and they've gone, hang on a minute. And, and then they've reacted to it. So I think we are very much, unfortunately, the majority of people don't have foresight until they see it. And then they're like, hang on a minute, I don't want this. I don't want to lose yeah. all my cash even though we've been telling you for years that they're trying to come after your cash, it's only when you start physically seeing it happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that they start getting, but it's better late than never. I think. Well, that's, that's actually what the psychopaths doing these things are banking on is by the time people understand what's happening, it's too late very often. It's like a bank run. It's like yeah. when, when the Titanic hits the, the iceberg, you know, you might see the iceberg, 
and you're a mile away, but it might be way too late. You're still on course. Yeah. And that's what they're banking on. That's why that's why it's always the distractions, you know, with uh, never mind entertainment and music and the drugs and the all the other stuff, but like big spectacles like Ukraine and Putin is going to nuke us all and he's Satan incarnate and whatnot. All of these spectacles, it's like, look over here while we lay down the infrastructure for your slavery right there, plebs. Yeah. And I think the problem we've got is the majority of people are still looking at this through the lenses of them. So they're like, oh, they wouldn't do that. No, you wouldn't do that. But these motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Psychopaths do not just exist in Dexter or Psycho, the movie. Psychopaths live in all echelons of society, including politicians and people with rich, you know, there'll be psychopaths who've got lots of money. Not all psychopaths are poor. So, you know, and, 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 to want to be in that kind of position as a politician. And they all say, oh yeah, because they want to make a difference. It's not, it's because you love the power and you've got a massive ego. That's all. Because none of you actually make a difference in politics. So it attracts certain types of people anyway, which I always think you should give the power to someone who says, I don't want it. <laughs> so I like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to There you go. You have it, mate. You, you, you hit it right on the head. Basically you should, uh, how do you know if someone should be a politician? You ask them, do you want to be a politician? And if they say yes, that person should not be a politician because they're probably a scumbag. I mean, there's got to be something there. But, but there, I mean, I do think there may have been a time. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why why you need to go to like the Tavistock Institute and stuff and almost be groomed to be a politician, especially in Britain. It's like they churn them out. Same with America and all these candidates come out of nowhere and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? It's like they've just made him in a factory, like the Eminem Slim Shady video. And they're just pushing them out and just changing the yeah. exterior if, if you know what i mean but yeah, yeah which well like it's it's not even a conspiracy theory to think that nowadays if you look at for example look at bill clinton dude like if you look at the the story of a lot of these people he was found on the side of a freaking r- railway or something like bro like these people are just uh if you look at obama's past who, who were his parents, you know, that kind of way. So I wouldn't, I would not be surprised if, if they are indeed, there's some type of operation to, to, to create the types of, you know, easily controllable puppets that you can install in strategic places. And you don't need all of them. It's like anyone that says, Oh, they have to all be in on it. And like, I think someone was saying they were analyzing uh, a country, the size of Australia, to do what they did that coordinated all the locking down and all the, 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 the new laws that were kind of enacted and all that stuff, you need a thousand people strategically placed in the right institutions and in government. And that is more than enough to, to do what they did in the last three and a half years. Mate, we had, you're right. And we in England, I don't know if uh, your listeners or viewers will know that we had a unit, we had a unit called SAGE. I can't, I can't remember what it means off the top of my strategic something, something, but it's a, a posh name for a bunch of boffins that are going to supposed to sort of like sort stuff out. Yeah. And inside that unit, they've got a unit called the nudge unit, right? And it's in a book by Laura Duck- Duckworth, I think called the state of fear. And she talks about it. And basically the nudge unit is a bunch of um, psychiatrists or the guys that, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, yeah. psychologists, and their job is to nudge public opinion in a, in a, in a way that they want it to go. You know, and and that means, you know, press, 
media and nudging your opinion to get the outcome mm-hmm. that they want. So they've got training in this and they know what we're like. They've gathered data. On, I mean, even the guys that make the software on your phone, it's like, um, psychologists were like, you need to make the notifications red because it plays something with your mind that you have to press it. Because if it was blue, you wouldn't care, right? Yeah. You know, not everybody gets like that, but some people are, so, you know, and, and, and even down to the software, the apps and, and the buttons and the sounds and the colors, and yeah. it's all down, all designed to get into your head. Sure. And you got to think to yourself, why, why do they want to know what the fuck we're doing all the time so much? I don't get it. And it, it purely must be a means of being able to control us. So if they, you know, you got to look at TikTok, right? I mean, the fact that the America took TikTok to court for doing pretty much what the American platforms were doing, I just thought was hilarious. But because <laughs> I remember the guy yeah. on TikTok sitting there and they're like, so can they connect to your phone using the internet while using TikTok? And he's like, well, fuck it. Yeah, because that's how it works, douchebag. I don't <laughs> And you could just see it on the Chinese guy's face. He's like, we're just doing what you're doing. We've just done it better. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's basically what it is. And it was like, oh my God, TikTok is Chinese. What do you think, guy? The moment you signed up to even MySpace, bruv, right? As far yeah. back as then and started slapping all your stuff all over the walls. They add you anyway, mate. And then as soon as you've got your mobile phone, so I, I, I don't, you know, it's people get like, you know, oh, oh, I'm not going to use Facebook. It's like, well, mate, if you've got a phone, yeah. you're in it anyway. So don't Except me, bro, me. because my phone, I don't use Android. I don't use Apple. And I, be, I keep harping to people on about it. Go and get graph, Graphene OS. It's free. It's open source. And if you're too lazy like me to actually figure out how to install it on your android phone just there's a company in germany that you buy it from them they send you the the phone pre-installed and you can actually you can pay it's more for like journalists and stuff like that right you can pay more money and they can physically take the camera and the microphone out of the phone if you're that if you're like an edward snowden type and it's not expensive 50 i think 50 bucks extra each for to take the you know whatever else and they do like uh, uh laptops that are hardened so it's linux yeah um it's very it's very difficult to kind of hack into and it's like it okay it was 500 euro this phone but most people they get on a plan <clears throat> that costs like 15 let's say 15 20 euro 30 euro a month and it's a two-year plan with vodafone or whatever else and over that two-year period you're easily paying you know 800 maybe a thousand uh euro yeah so you can just pay that money and get a phone that it's it's kind it looks like android the the operating system right but and you can even install if you want to install instagram or whatever other crap app you want to install you can still do that through a special sort of store but those apps are sandboxed so it's in a sandbox yeah and it's when when you have um like instagram or facebook it's kind of putting its tentacles all around to see, you know, your contacts and this and that. And with this, it doesn't have, it's isolated from the other apps. So it can't steal info from other apps and whatnot. So like, I mean, there's solutions are out there. It's just people are too damn lazy. But yeah, but they've done, I mean, dude, you've only got to see it with the progression of technology because first of all, it was a phone, right? Then it was, you can't be asked putting your passwords in because you keep forgetting. So we'll just use your face. And yeah. then it was like, I can't even be asked getting the phone out of my pocket, so I'll put it on my wrist, right? Just stick it up my ass and, and then, yeah, like, and then yeah, like, yeah beam it into yeah, my head. And soon it'll be, do you know what? I can't even be asked lifting my wrist to look at a text message, so just put the chip in my brain. So then it'll just yeah. come up here on my HUD display in my right yeah. eye. 
And so they're breeding us to be lazy. I mean, you look at him. Mean, I'm not massively old. I don't know how you are, mate. Probably about eighteen. But yeah. back in the day, you course, know, we can't blame technology for it. But because there was a technology, we had no choice but to go out and find something to do. That's why when I was like, oh, when I was a kid, we were out doing this. And I, yeah, because there was fuck all to do. So you had to because your parents were like, get out of the house because you're doing me heading. And you'd go out and just cause mischief and do all sorts of stuff that you probably should have been supervised doing. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, so we can't sell technologies to blame. It's like, well, no, because you don't have to give your kid the tablet to sit and play on for hours or or whatever yeah. but if you break it up and <clears throat> you know you, you don't want them to be a technophobe because technology is 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 a key factor in our society when it's used right and correctly especially with the kids you know yeah. um but parenting parenting has changed and life's changed but we don't have to allow it not so much allow it to happen but you could say okay right the kids aren't going to be out as much as what we were when we were kids because to be honest with me if we had tablets and playstation fives we wouldn't have gone out either yeah. Um, so, so we can't say, oh, it's this and that, but what you've got to do as a parent is not just use it as another babysitter, you know, with that technology and be like, right. So when he's been on it for a couple of hours, it's like, right, put it down. We're going to go do something or go out or whatever and, and try and break it up. It's not hard, man, you know, but yeah. I think because yeah. what's happening is because the parents are in their phones, they can't stop the kids being in their phones because the parents are in their phones. So this goes full circle right back to when you need to work on yourself and give yourself skills and you know and that includes things like i'm probably on my phone too much yeah i should read books more, which is what i'm trying to do now i'm trying to put my phone down and sit and read books which is hard with a six-year-old when you've got a tablet next to you and then bloody bluey on the tv and daddy daddy would be great but you know it's like so you don't get and then when you do get time you're too tired to read anything so you know that's the that's the cycle i'm in at the minute so i'm trying to trying to break it but, yeah you know, man, it's tough man like I, I actually now I, I try. <coughs> excuse me. COVID. I, I wake up like today. I woke up. <laughs> Man, I we did have uh, over the last week. We definitely had a cough with my wife. It we were run down a bit. So it's it's. It, I'm willing to concede that it's possible that viruses may exist. But. But I mean, not, yeah. not in my case. I think that was just a seasonal detox with the change of the seasons. Um, but uh, yeah, bro, I'm I'm waking up at five now, and my morning routine is to read a book because uh, after that it's just when my when my daughter wakes up and then my wife goes to work or whatever. It's just you, you're not gonna get the time. Or like I'll take her to the to the cafe. We can have like an orange juice or something, and I'll take her books and I'll take my book. And I'm trying to read my book, and then she's like, "Oh, like let me read your book. Oh, what is this? What is this?" And so, like, I'm not getting any reading time right. But I think it's important, man. I think if we can teach our kids the love of reading at an early age, if you if you don't get that chance, man, it's just these other things are so much more attractive with their colors and their sounds and the interactivity. It's Unless you do it at an early stage, like that's that's why I love books because my granddad was an example. All my parents, everybody was reading books back in the day because you know, back in the day we had black and white TV when I was kind of born and growing up. We didn't even get color TV until like Jesus, maybe in the mid '90s in Bulgaria. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember, dude. I remember my my granddad. He, I'd be his remote control. He'd tell me uh, there was like three channels at one point. He's like. Change the channel. I'm like, I get up. It's like change and change it to the next one. Yeah. Go back to that one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, turn it up. 
Yeah. And then he tell, tell, tell my grandma, shut up, I'm trying to watch the TV. <laughs> and then later, bro, when he got the remote, he'd be the same, except he'd be fucking doing it himself. He's just changing. Yeah. Just <laughs> going through the same ones. Leave it on one thing, guy. Hey. Yeah. But yeah, point is, we have to we have to be an example. I completely agree with you. And and that's a hundred percent right. And that that for me was what was my motivation was was for my boy was to basically I want to be able to look him in the eye when I was when he's older. And if there is any looking back at this and he says, you know, what did you do? Then I can show him all the stuff and talk to him about it. And look at him with pride and confidence in myself that I held my convictions and everything else and and teach him to be like that as well and not be afraid to to ask questions. But we need to be the role models that we want our kids to have. Yeah, because yeah. instead of sitting there going, oh, the kids have got shit role models, because they have. You've got Andrew Tate and you've got all these other twats and these guys, you know, dripping with girls and chains. And it's just such the su- such the wrong mod- yeah. uh, idols to have, if you know what I mean. Instead of moaning oh, yeah. about it, be better and try and be yeah. the role models you can. And, and I read something, I can't remember if I read it or someone told me, but they said, be mindful of the parents that your kids hang around with because your kids will listen to them more than they'll listen to you because you'll listen to other people's parents. It's like that kind of paradox where you'll go around, you know, there'll be a dickhead around their own house, but then they'll go around their mate's house and they're like, yeah, thank you very much. I'll see you later. Thank you to the parents. And they're always really polite, but to their own parents are like, fuck you, mum. So it's a similar yeah. sort of thing. It's, it's, you know, because they'll listen to the advice from other parents. So you, you need to be mm-hmm. mindful of what they're hearing from other people's parents because then they come home and go, oh, so-and-so's dad says this. And you'll be like, oh, does he? So then you'll be like, get him yeah. round here. And then rather than ch- trying to chat to your kid, chat to his mate because then he'll go and be like, oh, so-and-so's dad says this. And then you and your kid, him, so your kid and him will end up talking about it without you having to speak to your kid because your kids don't listen to you because you're parents and you don't know nothing, do you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apparently. That's uh, interesting. Dude, that's, that's a very interesting way to, to use psychology. Now, I've been trying to use psychology with my kid. She's like just two, she just turned two, and it's, <laughs> damn, bro, it's getting that's hard. with terrorists, bro. You've, you've just got to survive, so, mate. That's all you got to do for the first two. <laughs> when they're two years old, so, you just got to survive, mate. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> so it, we, we've been in survival mode for a while now. I'm um, touch wood, I'm hoping to start get out of it but it was so easy earlier on like a year ago we'd be outside walking oh maybe it's eight months ago we'd we'd be outside walking and i could lure she wouldn't want to go home and the only way i could lure her home was like come let's go home and see mama yeah 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 then uh, a couple of months ago it would be like let's go home and have some yogurt it's like yogurt yogurt then milk and now even cheese it's very difficult to bribe her. It's very hard to, like, she has to be, like, after, like, an hour outside in the sun. She's very thirsty. She's like, I want to go here. I want to go here. I'm like, let's go have, home, have some milk. It's like, mm. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. <laughs> but it's getting hard, brother. I don't know how. I'm going to have to um, become a, a kid psychologist by, you know, well, in I the next few years. With kids, it's about uh, what the stuff I've look, looked at and read. I'm a, by no means an expert, but... It's about giving kids the choice. So whenever you try and get them to do something or want them to get to do something, you've got to kind of present it in a choice and then they can decide. But your your kind of ability will be to make the choice so obvious that the, the bad one is bad and the good one is good. But yeah, they've yeah. still made the choice and, and then you get the nod of like, okay. And then that helps. Isn't them. it interesting? 
Isn't it interesting that that's the exact same shit we, we are dealing without in, in the real world? So the choice is you keep your job, you get this jibby-jab, and you, then you're safe, or you may catch the virus and you may die, but at least you go to heaven, <laughs> or you lose your job and you're ostracized from society, or in the case of like your politicians, you know, Hillary or Trump, you know, a psychopath, uh, a, a murderer, or uh, an orange clown man, you know, it's it's kind of crazy, but that's exactly how they do it. You know, it's like Burger King or uh, McDonald's. You know, Pepsi or Coke. It's it yeah. seems like everything is a duality, isn't it? Mate, dude, we've had four prime ministers in our country that we've not voted for, right? I mean, that's if you'd have told me a few years ago that would happen in Britain, I'd be like, <laughs> how how does that happen? Well, but isn't it also can. ridiculous that you have the sort of the the royalty that are unelected, mm-hmm. and then you have the theater of elected officials and representatives and they're like oh you know it's it's too much effort to to get the plebs to to choose the ones we pick let's just install one because it's just like they're they're gonna pick the one we want anyway you know what i mean that's how condescending and disrespectful is that they don't even want to give you the illusion of choice anymore well, they don't need to. I've said this numerous times to people. If you're stealing from the cookie jar, right, and, and the person who's look like cookie jar is looking at you while you're stealing, if they're not telling you to stop stealing from the cookie jar, you're just going to keep doing it, aren't you? And, and <laughs> they say, can you stop nicking my cookies, please? Because you'll just be saying <laughs> like this. What are you going to fucking do about it? Yeah, you know, yeah what are you going to do about it? Like, I know they're good cookies because I made them, give them to me. No, 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 no. You know, we're just going to look at it and go, oh, well, they must be doing it for the greater good. And we go, yeah, greater good, mate. Mm, when you're just getting all the crumbs yeah. of the cookies all over the floor. Clean those shit. up. They yeah. don't care. Yeah. And we've, we've, they've done a really good job in us thinking like, you know, oh, the government, yep, they've totally got my best interests in art. You know, they really, really care about me. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah. wow. And it's kind of sad to, to hear somebody that is sort of proud that they pay their taxes and they're contributing to society. What are you contributing to? It's like you're contributing to your own enslavement. And this is the thing. It's, it's a difficult one because the government have done a very good job in tricking us that we need a government to run the country. Right. And I always use this as an example because they go, who's going to build the roads? The people that build the roads now, the same people, because yeah. it's not the fucking politicians that build the roads, is it? Private companies. Private companies, because that's all it is. All the politicians do is make you think that they're in control of this sort of stuff when they're not. And if anything, they probably hinder it working properly because they're taking all the money and siphoning it off and doing this and doing that and doing the other. But it's I think a lot of it, they're keeping everybody so busy, like you say, being willing slaves, going to work, paying for stuff they can't afford, that when you say to them, you need to do some research and reading, they're just like, I can barely read TikTok. I can barely read a chapter in my book. Where do you even start in all of this, mate? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big I think, uh, not everybody's meant to wake up and we have to sort of respect the, the journey people are on. It's, imagine if of all the however billion or, or million people are on the planet. I don't even believe the true statistics about that there's 8 billion humans on the planet. I don't even believe that, bro. They lie about everything. They're going to tell you the truth about that. Come on. Yeah. Um, anyway. More or less. I reckon, oh Jesus, I reckon there's a lot less, dude. Yeah. I reckon, look at, just look, so I was looking at some stuff about India recently. Because they've um, overtaken China now, isn't they? It's the largest population, apparently. But what, what, what was interesting is the birth rate. It was something like oh, two, two, per wo- two per woman. Right. Which I don't even think is enough to, to, um, to keep the population level. Oh, really? So if you look at fertility rates, 
I think it's something like 50% of couples can't um, achieve a, a natural pregnancy on their own. Shit. Is that, is that recently? Yeah, yeah. So um, there, there's going to, uh, to be honest, I don't, this whole the population thing in the truth community, I, I think we're a little bit behind. Uh, we didn't get the memo in many ways that the depopulation agenda has pretty much uh, run its course. Now it's the, in the final stage. And it's not, at least I don't think anymore that it's going to be like one massive depopulation event. It can't. But it's, it, it's, it's been at work for like 130 years or more. And this is the culmination of it. And they're just going to let people die off and there won't be anybody. Look at Japan. They're, yeah. they're expecting in the next, I forgot how many decades, maybe two, maybe three decades or by, by the end of the century, they're going to lose 20 million people. And all of Europe and, and the USA with these fertility rates right now, mm. this current generation uh, and potentially these jabs and whatnot, like people were, going to disappear off the face of the earth for all intents and purposes it's going back it's going back the other direction just as fast as it rose well it's funny because my mate who's a doctor who's um he's been speaking out against this whole thing he he wasn't able to get work anywhere near where he lived because of his views and then he's ended up getting loads of work this last week because all the doctors are off sick hmm. covid <laughs> interesting yeah well it is it is that time of year anyway. I think that the it's also in March. The reason the the pandemic started then or or culminated then in the the whole um, lockdowns is they know they know the cycles. These people have been studying psychology and and, and the human condition for potentially thousands of years, if not hundreds of years. And they have, now they have technology, so they understand the cycles and they use astrology and all these other things. Yeah. So they know when everybody's getting sick in or a lot of people are getting sick in. Uh, the springtime, they can say, oh, it's this new variant or something new that we discovered. And like they just just obfusc obfuscate everything using media and propaganda and the institutions and scientific papers that are published. So they can manipulate these things and people will just swallow it hook, line and sinker because the still the average person believes when they turn on the news, it's for the it's there for the benefit of everybody. It's so people know what's going on and, and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because you can't, if you say, it's like Mockingbird Media, isn't it? If you say a lie enough, then, you know, as Hitler said, people will believe it. So if if, if people see it on TV enough, I mean, yeah. look, a lot of people are so asleep of what's going on, aren't they? Not even a tiny bit. They'll go, oh, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have done that. Never mind. And then go back to, you know, making daisy chains and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's, it's. I do think we're getting to critical mass. I do think we're coming to the point now where there's enough people who are awake questioning things that they'll they'll take the the rest of the undecided with them because that's kind of how it works, and it the the, the the vast majority move as, as kind of one. So they'll take the people with them that are uncertain. I don't think they'll be able to bring the COVID restrictions back, and I I, I don't think personally half as many people are going to take the, the the booster. You don't. Not in the UK anyway, and the States as well. You know, I think that it's like, it's like, you know, for me, for me once, you know, kind of thing, for me twice, shame on me. So I think if people, they will get a certain amount and they will highlight those people that, 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 that you know. But I do think there's a lot more people quietly inside going, nah, I ain't having any more. Because I think they relied on a lot of people's willingness to help and the greater good. 
Yeah. And yeah. obviously, if you don't take the vaccine, you're a selfish twat and you'll kill your nana. That's going to motivate yeah, yeah. a lot of people. And those that don't have nanas, it's like, we well, can't go on holiday then. And those that don't go on holiday, guys, well, you can't go to the pub then. It's like, Jesus Christ. So they, they, they slowly <laughs> squash that net, you know what I mean? And then it was like, well, then, you know, 18-year-olds can't go do this and you can't go to nightclubs, can't go to the cinema. So that that wasn't because of a virus. That was psychologically trying to weed out everybody so they could vaccinate everybody <clears throat> who had an excuse. And that is why they came down so hard on the NHS because I think as soon as it came out that there was a, at least 100,000 people in the NHS not wanting the jab, everybody in the country went, why not? You know what I mean? And no one asked us apart from us lot that, that were trying to speak out. Uh, and that wasn't very easy. But for most of us, it was about trying to push the choice, the, the concept of consent and having the choice. Because I don't have a Hippocratic oath because I'm a paramedic, but you know, it was, you know, you don't do any harm and you cannot give a patient a medication if they don't consent to it, even if it's going to kill them if you don't. All right. If they've got capacity to refuse it and I've had to do it, they they don't want it. That's their God-given right. That's their body. And mm-hmm. forcing people, despite you saying coercing, forcing, we weren't doing that. Putting people in a position where they're having to choose over their bodily autonomy or future income, that's not giving people a choice, you know? And that's eliminating their choice. And when you start eliminating people's choice in medicine uh, and, and then people aren't able to control what they put in their own body, we've lost all kind of control then. At, they don't need to control us with psychological stuff and this, they can just bully their vaccines into your body and then you're just a walk-in mess. So that for me was the hill I wanted to die on because if we lose that consent aspect of being able to control what we put in our body, we're, we're fucked, literally fucked, you know? And there's no constitution because we don't have one here. It's split all over so many different things. No one even knows what it is. You know, we've got nothing to fall back on apart from pretty much the Human Rights Act, which says you shouldn't be penalised for, you know, refusing any type of medical procedure or vaccine. And we just didn't adhere to that. So we're trying to prove, we're trying to say on one hand, we're being ethical and we've got your best interest at heart. But then on the other hand, we're trying to say, if you don't take this poison, then you're a twat and you're going to lose your job. So I was like, well, how's this ethical? You know, uh, (laughs) So yeah, that's 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 kind of one of one of the reasons that kind of did it for me, mate. Man, you, you know, I, I, big respect because um, I know a lot of people probably are of a similar conviction as yourself in the NHS that didn't have the balls, didn't have the cojones to to leave, and are, there are may, many are probably stuck in there because of a a mortgage or yeah. whatever other financial reasons. And you know, my heart goes out to those people because it is really a horrible state of existence to to be in a job like that that you you know or you're almost coerced to do things so um you know i i i don't have animosity towards those people it's it's more compassion and empathy because uh they're they're kind of put in a position that they 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 at least they feel like they have no choice and when you take a person's choice away that's that at that point is when that person is 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 a slave, you know. And and, that's, and the, the vast majority of people don't like conflict. Full stop. Right. The vast majority of people are people pleasers, so they don't want to go against the grain. The vast majority of people don't like you know publicly speaking, so don't send. So there's there's only a select few of people that are able to publicly speak or speak well enough and eloquent enough so that they can make a point go across. Try not to do it emotionally. Not be intimidated. Have the courage to do it, and then accept. The ramifications and the and the and the shit that you'll get for doing it, 
It wasn't an easy choice for me to do what I did. I spat and spoke to the wife about it. I needed to make sure financially we could do it. And I built up to it because I was like, no, this is this is not what I want to do. So you can do it if you want to do it. Sell some of the stuff that you've got. Get rid of the expensive stuff. It can take a year, two years to get to that position, but it doesn't matter if you know you're working towards it. Psychologically, you have no idea how good that feels because you think, oh, I've got an end in sight. Yeah. And it's an enlightening experience getting rid of all your expensive shit and stopping buying stuff that you know like, I'm only buying it because it's a Nike tracksuit, but it's 90 quid. It would literally be 25 <laughs> quid if I bought it without the ticks on it. And it's probably yeah. made in the same factory by the same little bloody underage sweatshop kid. Just just cut out some some like old t shirts, some freaking I mean, Nike uh, sizes. Millionaires, Come on. mate, all those brands are clothes that have got Balenciaga slapped on it really massive and all that. They're for us to wear. All right, because yeah. we, the millionaires, they don't need to wear stuff like that. They wear a tiny jumper that's 700 pounds, which is like mink from seal or whatever, you know. They don't need to have the brands all over their stuff because they're, they're minted, you know what I mean? So they laugh at all us lot spending money on stuff with Nike yeah, they, wrapped all over it. And they don't else. care about that stuff. They don't, you know, they like, don't, they don't care how, how they look. Exactly. Imagine, imagine you have, if you have true power, it's like, uh, it's like, are you successful if you're so busy? You know, like now it's all this hustle culture, busy, busy, busy. You know, I got meetings, I gotta do this, and I gotta get interviewed. And I mean, but you know, are you in control of your life? Is that true freedom? No, you should be like. Last week I was not feeling too good. <clears throat> I did too many interviews, and my voice was cracked working with clients and whatnot. So I just can't. Like for the next week ahead, I canceled all my interviews all my things and i just hung out with my with my uh, kid and read books on the couch nice feel, kind of feeling half feeling sorry for myself half enjoying the time that i'm just reading my books and and you know screw it and that's freedom i believe and you can't put a price on that man you can't put a salary on that you can't and and and, and it, it sounds cliche to say it when you're in it but when you're in it it's like yeah i don't regret nothing and i'll do it again yeah. in a heartbeat as well all the shit as well yeah. yeah. Matt, thank you so much for coming on today, bro. This was a pleasure. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Can you just, before you before we let you go, tell the listeners how they can connect with you? Yeah, man. So I'm on Twitter, uh, MedicMatt090 um, or Kung Fu Medic. And um, I'm the podcast, NHS 100K podcast. It's on Rumble and Spotify and iTunes and all that. Just search for NHS 100K and have a listen. But as I said to you earlier, I haven't done much in the last couple of months because I'm I'm... I'm taking a bit of a hiatus, but this, what did we say? There was 40 episodes up there so far from previous stuff. 40, yeah. Yeah, so there's some, because I started doing this, I think, 2022, I think, at the beginning. Yeah, so so it's a lot of older stuff, but I'm going to start re-releasing them on on Twitter, I think, you know, from the first and just go through them again because it'd be interesting to hear those conversations yeah. now, 12, 12 months, yeah. two years down the line. Uh, I just looked at your... Uh... June 30th post 2020 in six minutes time I will be handing back my equipment and ID and I'm no longer working with the NHS I don't want to be part of that organization any longer can I tell can I tell you you look healthier to me than you did in your in that card in the picture on that card yeah even though it was two years ago and mm. a bit Working so you should have aged but you actually you look uh you look healthier and happier <laughs> good thank you thank you yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. Was, i think the anniversary was not so long ago so yeah it's stay true you people. know it's it, yeah man th this is this is the kind of role models we need out there people that are willing to 
you know to 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 lose their job in because of principles that are very important to uphold in you know in the name of freedom bodily autonomy and these are the kind of role models we want to to have these are the kind of parents that kids need to have you know we have to and i like what you said earlier you you know we have to be we have and i i'm living by this sort of ethos or whatever i want to be the parent or the dad that i wish i i had you know so it's a you know you have to you have to man up step up and and um good things will happen oh 100 percent, 100 i'm not i'm not i'm uh, you know i'm i'm finding my faith in regards to that sort of thing but i do think the sooner you're able to accept the fact that what's going to happen is going to happen and you can't really change it, uh, worrying about it doesn't really help anything, but you can prepare for it. And I think that can sort of, you know, help alleviate people's anxieties and stuff. Totally, bro. Do you take care, man? All right, man. Thank, thank you, brother. Cheers, bro.